Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander, the crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet, all hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Uh, thank you and welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem America. Today, in the What's Hot Spotlight is Joy Bivens. Joy Bivens was named director of the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture in June 2021. Bivens first joined the Schomburg team in 2020 as associate director of collections and research services. Joy has nearly two decades of experience in the cultural sector and previously served as the chief curator of the forthcoming International African American Museum in Charleston, South Carolina, and the director of curatorial affairs at the <laughs> Chicago History Museum. She holds degrees from the University of Michigan and Cornell University. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say Director Joy Bivens is what's hot. Hello, wow. there, Joy. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Thank you very, very much. Did I pronounce that word correctly? Uh, curatorial? curatorial? Yes. You did it right. Yes. Oh, good. Excellent. Correct. All right. I, you know, I practiced all night, you know, for uh, uh, that word. Okay. It's not right. something you see every day. So I get That's, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am so happy that you uh, were able to squeeze us in because I know you're very busy over there at the uh, Schomburg. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the uh, features and events going on at the Schomburg that people not only in New York should know about, but visitors to New York should put on their calendar, hey, when I get to New York, I want to go up to the Schomburg. And uh, so anyway, let, let us first start, though. Let's take the Wayback Machine mm -hmm. and tell us what it was like growing up as little Joy Bivens. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I, I've had it removed from my bio, but I am a, a native of the south side of Chicago. And because um, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know that Harlemites want to hear that, but that is my hometown. And um, it's, it's I, mine, too. It's mine, too. I'm from Chicago. Oh, wow. See, we, we get around, don't we? The don't we? That's right. Yeah. So um, grew up on the south side of Chicago. Um Raised in a, a, a black community, uh, and you know Chicago was always a changing city, always dealing with its own issues of segregation, its boundaries, yes. its borders. Um, and so, while my neighbor, the block I lived on, was uh, black, all black folks, you cross Western Avenue to go to school, and it was a whole different world. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was I was raised in a, a community, a, a very diverse community, but very much uh, within Black culture, church culture especially. My dad was a minister, um, so I spent most of my days and <laughs> evenings at church. Um, and that is where I kind of developed my own love of reading. And, you know, you learn how to speak to people and you learn how to speak in front of people in, uh, in that culture. And, uh, I, you know, I went away for college and, and came back and went away again and came back again. And now I'm here in, in Harlem, USA. And I'm really happy to be here. Um, 
But, you know, I, I grew up, I think I was pretty normal in terms of my, my childhood, uh, very interested always in history, mm-hmm. um, always in what the past had to tell us for the future, um, and really got interested in Black history in high school. Um, and not because it was in the history book, but because I had a teacher who did kind of her own unit uh, for a month about the history of Black people. And I thought, oh, I, I didn't know you could just study Black people. So that's <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up doing that in college and in graduate school and um worked in in the museum field doing really urban history and you know when you live in Chicago you you tell a lot of different stories um but I had started to work on some projects that were really just about kind of black Chicago black life and I was like you know what this is this is what I want to do I want to focus on our history and our culture and what we have contributed to the narrative and the conversation and what better place to to do that work than at the Schomburg Center. Fantastic. Well, now, all right. So um, for those of us who, well, you know, we we live in black culture, but uh, there, there are many uh, folks who appreciate black culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, actually, can you define black culture? What is, since you're the expert, what is black culture? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because uh, at the heart of it, when you talk about culture, you know, that, that's very anthropological in many ways. You know, it is what we are, how we do things, um, how we speak to each other, how we, how we be, how we present in the world. And I think black culture is... It's not one thing. You can't ever just say black culture. I usually talk about black cultures because we we have a multiplicity of ways of being in the world. And at the Schomburg, we try to look at the history of cultures, black cultures, or the cultures of people of African descent. And in within that, it encompasses literature and it encompasses music and it encompasses artistic production, whether that be fine art or, you know, uh, or, or more, or more everyday art, if you will, um, or amateur art, there is, Black culture can't really be nailed down. You know it, you feel it, it's, we live in it. Um, and you're right, many people do appreciate it. Um, but it's always, it, I think it's, it's kind of like people appreciate it. They like it, but they don't necessarily want to, the experience that is uh, comes with being a black person, right? So right. what what we create comes out of our lived experiences, and what we try to do here at the Schomburg is really collect the material and the documents and the artwork that uh, emanates from people of African descent not just here in the United States, but all around the world, because it is in many ways, um, it's the evidence of who we are, right? So I would say black culture is everything that we are and um, all the ways that uh, we express ourselves and that we 
we show up in the world and that we speak to each other and that we speak among each other, right? You know, if you think about Black language, even, it's different when you move in different circles, right? We talk to each other a different kind of way. So um, that code switching that happens in a larger culture, but the beauty of creating spaces where we can celebrate and just be ourselves um, and the multiplicity of ways that we we show up in the world is is one of the things that makes the Schomburg so special. Wow, that I I I love your your description of black culture, but now let me take it a little bit uh, mm-hmm. further here. Okay, mm-hmm. black culture in say West Africa or Central Africa uh, is different than. African American culture here because African American culture has also been blended with European culture to some degree. Is 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 that an accurate? I I of course you know we are uh, an amalgamation of many things in this in this nation. We have a very different experience from um, people of African descent who reside on the continent or who even reside in the Caribbean or in Latin America or where wherever Black people um, make their homes. But if we're going to talk about Black culture holistically, right, I do think that it's important to talk about what we retain from the continent, mm-hmm. the practices that we see our brothers and sisters do on the continent that resonate with us here in the United States, right? Because if we we didn't come here empty, we brought with us something and then we made it into something else here. So I think when we talk about black culture or black American culture, and I think you you're hitting on something that's very important when we start to talk about black people. Um, it is that we can't we have to be specific. Right. We have to say where we're from. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, where we grew up. What are the ways in which we uh, learn to be ourselves? And um, I think that there are connections between Black folks all over the world. And those connections really are important to um, not just expressing ourselves culturally and socially, but really to our political power as a people. So, um, yes, you are right. Black culture is different here than it is other places. But Africa is always going to be the root of all of it. So, right. and I, I think that's important to to say. Fantastic. So, uh, all right, now, so uh, let me read something that um, I got this off of your website, and it says the Schaumburg Center for Research in Black Culture in Harlem one of the New York Public Library's renowned research libraries is a world-leading cultural institution devoted to the research, preservation, 
and exhibition of materials focused on African-American, African diaspora, and African experiences. And I, I wanted to read that because we have folks, you know, outside of New York who have never, you know, uh, visited what? New York and, and never even heard of the Schomburg. And so I wanted them to, to have an actual definition of uh, what you guys are, 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 are doing and, and compiling and, and researching and what the Schomburg uh, really is all about. So when I think of the Schomburg, and I've been there many times mm -hmm. uh, for, for parties and events, but I've never really gone into do research or look at the exhibitions. And I, I think that you guys must have hundreds of people in there just reading stuff and, and, and cataloging <laughs> stuff. And, and how do you get all that? You, you've got, what, like 11 million items? Uh, mm -hmm. how, how do you get all that stuff? Well, I think it's important to kind of to place that in historical context, right? So the Schomburg is almost a, a century old, the Schomburg mm -hmm. Center, and we've been collecting for for nearly a hundred years. Uh, our history dates back to 1925, when the uh, Division of Negro Literature, History, Literature, History and Prints, which was a special collection at the 135th Street Branch Library, it debuted, right? So Harlem is changing. The librarians here are pushing for uh, more material that represents this new community. And so that starts in 1925, this special collection. In 1926, the New York Public Library purchases the personal collection of our namesake, Arturo Alfonso Schomburg. So already in 1926, we've got thousands of objects because his collection was full of, of materials that he had um, amassed really in a way to prove that black people, people of African descent have made contributions to not just U.S. history, but to world history, right? I, so this I, is, I, I think I read he had like 10,000 items or something. Yeah, yeah, he was a bibliophile. So he had books from all over. He had uh, ephemera, he had prints, and he had it in his home. And so this was uh, a, a major acquisition, if you will, for this new special collection at the 135th Street Branch Library. And over the years, we've, we've just been amassing other materials because really, you know, if you think about it, let's go back almost 100 years. If you're an, uh, an African-American of prominence or you have a business or you're an artist or you are you're a cultural creator, where are you going to put your stuff? You know, you know, it's important. We know it's important, mm -hmm. but not there aren't a lot of institutions around that think it's important or that can or that can um, steward it. And so the Schomburg Center really becomes this, this kind of beacon for um, or, or place where people can deposit their materials. Right. And so for many years, we are we're kind of like the only game in town. <laughs> and um, and because of that, we are able to collect uh, materials that nobody else that nobody else has. And that has continued over. And then that builds your reputation. Right. So right. once we get to a moment, I would say in the last few decades where really they call it African-Americana, uh, which is a, a type of material becomes really hot. 
really um, um, uh, worth a lot of money, the Schomburg is still in the game and the Schomburg is setting the setting the standard and setting the, the pace. And so people know we can we can handle their material. We'll do right by it. We'll process it. We'll make it available. And that is how over many, many years um, we built a collection that includes about 11 million objects. So this is just uh, it's again, like I said, we've been doing it for a long time and also very talented colleagues and predecessors who are are going after the collections of really important black people. And um, and so they end up here. Well, you know, uh, I would have been in the Schomburg. Some of my stuff would have been in the Schomburg. <laughs> uh-huh. how, how, but one of your predecessors, Mr. Bishop, uh, had said to me one day, this was years ago, gee, Keith, we would love to have some of your celebrity pictures uh, here at the Schomburg. And, you know, we will uh, make copies of them and, 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 and give you back the... Uh, and, but I was so busy doing other things. I never got around to cataloging or looking at stuff like that. But, you know, hey, one, maybe one day, you know, I might sit down and, and, and but, look at stuff. You know, G. Keith, I hope you don't mind me saying this, um, but you bring up something that is really important uh, about personal archives and personal mm-hmm. collecting, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are doing something of... Uh, of, of value in society, typically you have documents that represent that, right? Right. A lot of times, uh, as a people, we don't we don't find value in our own materials, right? We don't think about it as valuable or being a resource to to not just you know the folks who are around us, but to generations yeah. in the future, right? Because a hundred years from now, that's going to tell people something about what it was like in 1990, let's just say that. Right, so right, right. I think it's really important that people start to think about their own materials. Like, is this something they want to they wanna donate? Is this something they want in a repository um, so that they can plan for that? Because a oh. lot of times what we get is desperate people trying to figure out how to get their things in because their kids don't want them or their grandkids don't <laughs> don't want it. But that but it doesn't mean just because they don't want it doesn't mean that it doesn't have value to to generations that come behind us. Wow. Yes. Well, thank you for making that clear, because there's so many people listening may have uh, uh, documents and, and and what I call uh, uh I call them historical photo documents and, and, and mm-hmm. things like that, that may be a value that they're just, you know, thrown in the corner somewhere. So mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that, uh, Joy. Uh, we, we're going to take a short break right okay. now. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're, you're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. My special guest today is Miss Joy Bivens, Director Joy Bivens from the <laughs> world famous Schaumburg Center of uh, Research for Black Culture. We'll be right back. Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. 
Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with the Harlem America Radio Podcast Talk Show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business, making your business successful with its own media, is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Yes, we're here with uh, Director Joy Bivens uh, from the Schaumburg, and uh, you really need to get down to the Schaumburg. Really, really, you really do. And uh, you. yes, uh, so so uh, Joy, what are the five important aspects of the Schaumburg? Five important aspects of the Schaumburg. Um, okay, so I'm going to take this from uh, both from everything that we do, right? Mm-hmm. So the Schaumburg mm-hmm. is a repository, so we have collections. And we collect across five different, uh, we have five different collecting divisions. So manuscripts, archives, rare books, art and artifacts, photographs and prints. We have a general research and reference division. And then we have moving image and recorded sound, which includes films and albums and all kinds of uh, wonderful uh, materials. We do programs, um, public programs that are very robust and uh, really sophisticated and look at film and dance and uh, literature. We do uh, education programs. So we have a junior scholarship, junior scholars program, which is a Saturday uh, school basically for uh, school age youth where they mm-hmm. come and learn about their history and, you know, work with teaching, uh, teaching artists and, and our collections here at the Schomburg Center. We also uh, produce scholarship through our uh, fellows program. We, we host scholars and residents here. Um, and we also uh, do exhibition 
So those are the five things that really kind of uh, formulate our operations here at the Shiloh. Uh Okay, so then now talk about, you have tours. We do have tours, yes. Mm-hmm. Let us uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Well, you know, I, I think it's important to state with the tours that they have been halted during the pandemic. We just couldn't have people coming in and out of the building. But we, what happens is often that the folks who are doing tours through Harlem during their Harlem tours come into the Schomburg and make their way around the center. We will start the tours back up, hopefully in the summer. Um, we've always been cautious about people's, you know, just making sure that people are healthy and that this is a safe environment. But uh, in, in general, we do offer tours to small groups, to school groups, to community groups, so that they can come see our exhibitions and the grounds here at the Schomburg. Uh, these tours are are, are free. There, there's they are no. Free. Do do you need permission to bring a tour in, or do you, you need have permission to make an appointment to bring in a tour? Um, and you do that through our education department. But you bring up a um, an important thing that I want to highlight, right? So we're a public library. What we do here is free. If there are things that are ticketed, is usually like our women's jazz festival, which we hold in March, and that's simply because we have to pay artists to to perform. But everything that we do here is free and open to the public. So there there are no fees for coming to the exhibition. There are no fees for coming to the public programs. There are no fees for uh, walking around the Schomburg Center or going into the shop or stopping in the Langston Hughes uh, lobby to see um, an installation by Houston Conwell called Rivers, which is a terrazzo um, tile installation on on the floor of the Schomburg Center. And underneath that uh, are the ashes of the great Langston Hughes. So this is a place that people also make pilgrimage to, you know, to pay homage to uh, to the authors and poets who are who are important in their own life history. I just discovered in, in, in my doing research that Langston Hughes is actually buried mm-hmm. in the Schomburg. Yes, his ashes are interred under the, um, the piece that I just mentioned, which mm-hmm. is uh, by Houston Conwell called Rivers. And it's, uh, it, it finds its origins or bases in Langston Hughes' poem, The Negro Speaks of Rivers. So that poem is in the piece. Mm-hmm. And um, the elder, Mr. Hughes, is is underneath the piece. Wow. You know, uh, I, you know, I've walked past the Schomburg. I've been in the Schomburg. I've danced on the floor of the Schomburg. I've, I've, uh, uh, you know, in fact, when I first met you, uh, I was on stage at the Schomburg because mm-hmm. we were on, we did a tribute to uh, David Dinkins, the 106th. Yeah. 
mayor of New York, black yes. mayor. And uh, and I hosted along with Debbie. Uh, uh, and, and you were great. Debbie I Jackson. was like, that, that, that voice, your voice. I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. And, that, and that was part of, I must give a, a shout out. That was part of the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce uh, mm-hmm. Harlem Week uh, event, yes. uh, which will be coming up. But I say that all of that to say that I doing all that I never knew until last night that Langston Hughes was encased in something underneath the floor of the chamber. It's a you know, it's a great in any institution where you show materials, you want to have that thing that is like, wow, you know, that kind of is like blows people's minds, right? And as we go through and and point out uh, places in the Schomburg and take people on tours and introduce uh, folks to what the Schomburg does, that is always uh, one of my favorite places to stop because it's, it, 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 when you talk about Black culture, I think in many ways this is, this kind of encompasses what Black culture is, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it is something that we are communing with because it's a piece of art, but then there's also this sacred aspect to it as well. So um, it, it kind of um, it kind of touches on all the things. And I, in many ways, if I were to say, how could you, how would you um, kind of represent Black culture, and what would it be? It would be that that piece in the Schomburg. Wow, beautiful, incredible. So so actually someone could just walk into the Schomburg and go to the gift shop and purchase uh, 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 what type of merchandise do you have? We have, of course, we have books, lots Mm -hmm. of books um, and and, and lots of different genres. There's jewelry, there are cards, uh, there are books for children and materials for children. Um, there are sweatshirts and T-shirts and, um, you know, if you need your gifts and you're in Harlem, you're on 135th Street, you come into the gift shop and you're able to walk out with something unique because you can, yes, you can buy books anywhere, but it's, it's better to support local, local business. I concur with that. I concur with mm-hmm. that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So now what events... Or, uh, or, or what's going on there now? If someone were to walk out the door and say, hey, it's a, you know, I think I'm going to walk up to the Schomburg. Let's see what, what, what's being shown or, or exhibited there now. Yeah, if you were to come to the Schomburg um, today, we have two exhibitions open that you can just walk into and, and peruse and read the labels and look at the images. And the first is on the, um, the ground level of the Schomburg right next door to the shop and it's called Ben Seen. And it really is an, it's an exhibition that explores um, one of the stars of our photographs and prints collections, which is Austin Hansen, um, who had a photography studio here in Harlem for many, many decades, um, along with contemporary uh, black photographers who are practicing today so that the photographs are in conversation with each other. So it's a conversation between the visual, these visual images of the past and um, visual images from today. It's a really lovely show. Um, And then if you were to walk a little bit, you know, come back out, go into the lobby, that's where you could see the piece by 
uh, Houston Conwell, Rivers, and, and learn about that. And then you would go up the stairs. It's not really the second floor. It's more like a, a let's say, one and a half floors. And there's another exhibition, a main exhibition gallery. And there's an exhibition there called Boundless, which is all about uh, exploring the 10 years of the Schomburg's Black Comic Book Festival, which we celebrated oh, really? 10 years this January. Um, I never, I've never seen the festival in person because mm-hmm. I've been here only during the pandemic, but I'm looking forward to when I can see people in the building. Apparently folks come in costume and it's a, a wonderful, a wonderful uh, family event in many ways. Um, but that's where you would see um, some work by new comics and really get a sense of the history of that um, that show, that festival. But also some of our uh, comics from golden age of comic books. So all of the things would be in our collections for the most part. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And you would you would be able to view that in on the second floor or floor one and a half, if you will. Now, you just mentioned Golden Age, which reminds me of Gilded Age. And mm-hmm. I've been watching I've been watching on, on, yeah. on, on HBO, HBO? The, Gilded, mm-hmm. right, the Gilded Age. Which, I binged uh, that in like two days. Jeez. Really? Yeah, I was like, wow. This, <laughs> this it's is incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and they have this, the, this black woman uh, uh-huh. who who uh, she's not a maid. She's not uh, someone's uh, uh, footstool or anything. She is living in the house with the, this woman of society. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 she's her secretary. Uh, talk a little bit about the the black elite during that period. Ah, so, OK. Well, I think this is interesting uh, because the way that our past is often spoken about, spoken about is that it was all struggle and it was all terrible and it was all, you know, it was all harsh. And there is a, there, there is some reality to that. But in this show that you reference, there is an exploration of a a middle, if not upper class black family of business owners, homeowners, um, society, black society in and of themselves. And I think it's a really, uh, it's a, for some people, it's probably kind of like, really? But, um, <laughs> but I think it's important to know that at any point that we uh, are here, there are, we are living, there are folks who are living at different levels, different strata, right? So um, there is an elite, a black elite here in New York uh, and three, three black people. Um, or people who've been free for a while, actually, or for generations, who've, who've been able to uh, build up business, own business, and and uh, have their own society, if you will. And one of our librarians, her name is Rhonda Evans, wrote a wonderful blog about uh, materials in the Schomburg's collection that reference a black elite from the 19th century. So if you went to our website, you would be able to access that blog and learn a little bit more about what we have, um, particularly photographs that um, represent a, a part of black life from the past that sometimes folks are not aware of, right? Um, that people did own business, that people were uh, were 
making money or we're contributing to society in a different kind of way. And I think it's, it's, it's exciting uh, to, to see it kind of visualized in, on a television show. Right? Exactly. And, and her father uh, owned a pharmacy. Owned the pharmacy. Uh, yeah, right? he, he owned the pharmacy, and then she she went to work for the news. T. Thomas Fortune. Yes, that's right. So she's she's kind of I, I would say in many ways it's kind of like an Ida B. Wells kind of story, uh, you know, undercurrent running through that, right? So that there mm-hmm. are not just wealthy black people, but there are working black women who are doing things that probably were not thinking they were doing right, right. so <laughs> contributing in in ways that are really quite trailblazing so most definitely so uh wow this is all very very interesting um now we're going to we we we're, we've got probably about uh, a minute and a half left before we go to break but when we come back, I also want to talk about some of the upcoming events that okay. are, are happening. And uh, but I do have one question uh, that I would like to know uh, where in Chicago, since I'm from Chicago, or I should say, uh-huh. what radio station did you listen to in Chicago? Oh, well, GCI. WGCI. I started. I started WGCI. I, I I think I remember you telling me that. So WGCI, um, and then of course later V one hundred three. And mm-hmm. you know, when I was growing up, I mentioned that I grew up very much in the church, and we did not listen to <laughs> secular music. So I'm thinking back to kind of Saturdays where we would be listening to uh, like. The Gospel Cavalcade, hosted mm-hmm. by um, Charles G. Hayes, and mm-hmm. there was a show by hosted by Milton Bronson, uh, who had a wonderful voice as well. So there was a lot of a lot of a lot of gospel music going on in my childhood. <laughs> well, okay, so we, we're going to take our our break, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for for. Uh, being part of our audience today, uh, we have the director from the Schomburg Center uh, for Research uh, in Black Culture, Ms. Joy Bivens, and uh, we're going to talk more about our culture and more about the Schomburg. So thank you so very, very much. We'll be right back. I'm G. Keith Alexander, by the way, in case, in case you didn't know. Okay. <laughs> the home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem, America. Harlem, America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business, making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. 
You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Thank you so very, very much. I want to remind everyone that you can go to harlemamerica.com and you'll be able to, if you missed part of this uh, this conversation with Joy and I, you'll be able to go to harlemamerica.com and you'll be able to uh, listen to her podcast a little bit later on today. And uh, we've got some great articles on black culture and uh, articles on, on, on the podcasting. And uh, we've got some great TV shows. If you go to Harlem America TV, you'll be able to see some of our former guests that we've had. <clears throat> Excuse me, pardon me. But uh, yes, please check out Harlem America. Click, like, uh, share, do whatever you need to do to help us spread the word. So, Joy, uh, now I understand that in the month of June, June 18th, which is the day before June. Uh, there's an event that's happening here in Harlem. Would you tell us about that? Yes. On June 18th, we are hosting, celebrating our fourth annual literary festival. And this is an event that really brings together uh, a large, a diverse group of authors and, and writers and, and cultural creators to be in conversation, to do workshops. We uh, will take over 135th Street and have stages outside. We will use um, different spaces within the Schomburg Center to have conversations uh, with with folks who are writing about Black people and about Black culture, um, whether they are poets or or cultural critics, or um, doing or liter or writing literature um, fiction. So um, it is happening here on the 18th. It starts at 10:30 in the morning. It ends at six o'clock in the evening. And so you can come spend the whole day with us and really learn what's out there. There will be some vendors and exhibitors outside as well. The shop will be selling merchandise and and all the books that uh, are rep of the authors that will be represented at the literary festival. And uh, it happens the day before Juneteenth, the the Juneteenth holiday um, or the Juneteenth commemoration. And uh, it is our way of celebrating that, that moment in black history and really thinking through reading as a liberatory and a rebellious act because, you know, there was a moment where Black people could be uh, punished or jailed. It was illegal to teach Black people to read. And so because of that, you know there's something there, right? right. There's some power in the in, in reading and, and being literate and, and literacy in general. And so that's, this is what we do. You know, we are, again, we're a library. So um, celebrating text and celebrating the book is part of, of, of what we do here at the Schomburg. My friend Troy Lewis has a book called Gas Money, and it's mm-hmm. about, you know, how he grew up and, and uh, you know, touches on people that have helped him along the way. Uh, would he be able to get into that festival? Uh, how would someone with a book be able to, to get into the festival? Well, the festival in terms of planning right now is is kind of, you know, we, this is a long term plan. Mm-hmm. Um, we do often um, entertain books in the shop 
or, or see books in the shop from mm-hmm. local authors. And it really is as simple as sending it to us so that we can see if it will work mm-hmm. within the among the merchandise that we sell. We sell. I mean, I think it's important to have local authors or um, authors who live in the neighborhood along with those who have national and international acclaim as well. So you can find both of those types of books in our bookshop. Beautiful, beautiful. So <clears throat> what else would you like to uh, <laughs> let our audience know about the uh, the Schomburg that, uh, you know, something very important to uh, the community, important to the world that uh, only right now you sitting right there, you know about what would you like for us to know? So I think for Thinking about the Schomburg, if you've never been here, um, you should make an appointment to visit one of our reading rooms. I earlier mentioned that we have five collecting divisions Mm -hmm. and uh, how you see that material is in the reading room. So we will bring you the material and you can uh, read it or look at it in the in the reading room and have that opportunity to do your own research. Another thing I wanted, I would love for people to understand is that this is a library for everybody, right? We, as I mentioned earlier, we're free to the public. I think a lot of times institutions like this can seem a little foreboding. You know, it's not a branch library, although we're uh, connected to the County Cullen branch library. So where you can check out books um, and check, check out other materials. But really, if you want to dig deep into, I would say, dig deep into the crates of black history and know something uh, or find out something or see something you never really thought you would see, this is the place to do that. And um, we've been collecting for nearly 100 years, but we weren't just doing it to keep it to ourselves. We're doing it so that we can share it with a community and not and community locally, community nationally, community internationally. And so um, as we get ready to celebrate our 100th anniversary, I really want people to know that this place is here for them, right? This is a place for them to do their research, to answer questions that they may might have about um, the culture, and there are things here you're just not going to find anyplace else. And so I'll talk a little bit about those, right? Yes. So when I say do. we have wonderful collections, um, I, behind me on my right, you'll see a collage, and that's done by the great artist Romare Bearden. I and see that uh, that um, piece of artwork was done for the 50th anniversary celebration of the Schomburg Center. But if you wanted to see the work of Romare Bearden, you could contact our Art and Artifacts curator and ask, hey, I'd like to see what you have from Romare Bearden. And we will bring it out for you to have an experience with this this artwork. Um, And there's 15,000 other uh, pieces of art in that collection and names that you know, you know, Norman Lewis and Elizabeth Catlett and... uh, Kara Walker even, and um, Jacob Lawrence. Jacob Lawrence did a good deal of his research for both of his, you know, kind of legendary series, the uh, Migration series and the Struggle series right here at the Schomburg Center. So we have this, this, this history of like 
books and art, but also artists who come through. Um, if you want to see the papers of James Baldwin, Malcolm X, Lorraine Hansberry, uh, all of these great writers who, who you know and love, that material is here. Dr. Maya Angelou's papers are here. Um, and so you can access those. You go to our website, put it in the catalog. You'll see the, the finding aid, which is, I'm, I'm getting a little technical here, but it'll let you know what's in that collection if you have particular things you want to see. Um, within our photographs and prints collection, we have the work of Gordon Parks and mm. even more contemporary, Dawu Bay, and we're continuing to collect. We have 19th century uh, photographs of Black people, you know, things you're just kind of not going to see any place else. Uh, James Vanderzee, um, all of those those wonderful uh, uh, materials that you think about in terms of Black past, and then in, in moving image and recorded sound, you know, you have albums, and uh, we, we recently collected the archive of Sonny Rollins, so Whoa. that's here. Um <laughs> And, you know, you not only get to hear his music, but you get to see it, see, see his thought process, see how he's working through uh, his writing. And there's there's also video footage of him or film footage. It wasn't video yet. Film footage of him that you can access. So I think in terms of the riches of the collections, you know, most of the time you would have to go to a museum and you would have to wait for the museum to do an exhibition about X, Y, and Z. But here, if you want to, if you want to read um, the unpublished final chapter of the autobiography of Malcolm X, you can see it at the Chamber. Really? Yes. Wow. Incredible. So um, it's an incredible, an incredible collection. And it is a testament, you know, to our history and our culture uh, and to the work of the people who came before us to make sure this stuff has some place to go. Wow. Gee, I'm impressed. Well, you know, OK, I, I, <laughs> I you know, want to get a little personal here and maybe even blow my own horn there a little bit. And I always feel I, I, I've always said on, on Facebook that if we don't tell our own stories, who else will? So, mm -hmm. you know, so I, 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 I post photographs and put stories up. But I want to ask you this. I have my my radio collection of air checks. Uh, they're housed at the Paley Center downtown uh, on, 50, on 53rd Street, I think it is. Uh, would, would, would radio air checks be something that could be included in the Schomburg's collection of? It could be. I mean, you know, you have to have a conversation with the curator because the way we make decisions about what comes into the collection is, you know, one, do we already have it? Yeah, sometimes we already have things that people want to donate it, donate to us or, or want us to acquire. Two, uh, so that is one level of duplication. Another level of duplication is we have something very similar. And therefore, you know, maybe this doesn't make sense for us, but it could make sense for someplace else. And we, we could point you in that right direction. Three, you know, we're always thinking about condition. What's the condition of the material, right? Because we're not, 
we take material we want it we want to again we want it to be around a hundred years from now so what level of work do we have to do to make sure that it is uh, it is secure right um, and I'm assuming this is uh, magnetic tape that you have uh, yeah, what they did was they, they, they took the tapes, the, the cassettes, uh-huh. and, and they duplicated them and then gave me the originals back. But right. I mean, they could be transcri- uh, transferred to, to be digitized as well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but people who do work with that type of material will tell you that in... 10 years, five years, it changes all the time. Mm-hmm. It will it will disintegrate. And so right. you have to change it into a digital format typically. Right. So that is that's something we could, you know, advise you on as well. I, I think again, we're here, we collect, but we also want to help people understand what they have and what they could p- potentially do with it and what the possibilities are. Um of, of their own material, but something like that, I would say is, is unstable. So you have to think about what, what that next, what that next iteration is going to be if you want it to live into the future. Thank you for reminding me of that. I better get started on that right away, digitizing some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, well, okay. Now, you, you see behind me over here, mm-hmm. I've got uh, photos with various uh, celebrities, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Whitney Houston and, and uh, Vanessa Williams. I was just listening to Eddie her Murphy. last night. Uh, really? That's her so, so much, yeah. So I need to digitize all that stuff, too, because that can, after so many years, could probably fade uh well it's it's going to fade because you haven't you know film is different from Mm -hmm. decade to decade year to year but i don't know how much light is in that space or um you know what kind of glass is on top of it you know you have to be careful with that too because sometimes things can stick right Mm -hmm. you don't want it to To, yeah. to stick to the glass and then that's a whole other um, a whole other issue. If you have prints in really good condition, I would say that's fine to keep them as prints and then whoever you would donate them to or whoever would acquire them would have to make them digital because um, what we learned during the pandemic is that you know there there are going to be times in the future too where people can't go places. They got to use this. This is the it's the computer, right. right? And so the you you might not be able to see the physical thing. The digital surrogate is going to be very important, right? To to maintaining the the object or and maybe not even maintaining the object. The object may be fine, but to accessing the information in the mm-hmm. object. Well, well, Joy, thank you for for joining us today. We are out of time, unfortunately. I can talk to you about the Schomburg forever, uh, but this has been so wonderful. We've got uh, less than a minute. Is there anything you'd like to leave with our audience? Um, Yeah, protect your history, protect Black institutions, support Black institutions that are stewarding uh, our past because without it, there are stories we can't tell, there are things we can't say, and there are 
things that folks won't be able to bear witness to in the future. So this is important work. Thank you so very, very much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for allowing us to share in your time today. And like I said, please go to HarlemAmerica.com for more wonderful uh, information and entertainment. Enjoy, Bivens. Thank you so very, very much. Uh, you will be seeing more of me at the Schomburg. Okay, I guarantee it. Okay. I'm going to hold you to it. All right. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walk a mile in his or her shoes. And remember, life is tough but you're tougher. Indeed. See you next week. All right. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening. Oh.